Welcome Builders from Lakeland, Florida. This is the Build Your Success Leadership Podcast with your host, Brian Brogen. We're going to empower and equip you to build yourself and then build others. Now, let's build up with your host, Brian Brogen. Welcome, Builders. It is great to have you as a listener of the Build Your Success Podcast today. Today is episode 51. I'm getting so excited to hit this one-year mark coming up, and I've also got a great guest today. Today's guest is Dr. Todd Dewitt. He is a best-selling author and global leadership speaker. After beginning his career with Anderson Consulting and Ernst & Young, he completed his Ph.D. in organizational behavior at Texas A&M University and enjoyed a career as an award-winning professor. Today, he speaks, writes, and coaches full-time with clients around the world, including TEDx, Microsoft, IBM, Kraft Heinz, ExxonMobil, Pepsi, General Electric, State Farm, Boeing, and LinkedIn. LinkedIn is where I discovered Dr. Dewitt, and I took some of his classes and, and got engaged with him and invited him to the podcast. So let's just say welcome to the podcast, Dr. Dewitt. Hey, thank you very much. Glad to be here. Man, I'm so excited to talk to you today. I really enjoyed the uh, training that I took on LinkedIn Learning. You're doing a wonderful job. And and one of the videos I watched was Get Over Yourself. So I thought today we'd talk about getting over yourself. You know, that's something I think many of us uh, fight is, is, is that getting over ourselves. So tell us a little bit about that. Sure. I mean, when I'm trying to connect with people, uh, many times I want to deep dive and, and have a detailed conversation, but the truth is to get started and really to help people remember some of the things we're talking about, a good phrase, if you will, or a hook is terribly useful. And, um, I think, I think maybe 10 years ago, something of that nature, I was thinking about relationships at work, being successful as a leader and in a conversation, uh, with someone that phrase came up. Hey, sometimes people need to really learn to get over themselves. And, and I've been using it ever since. I've written about it uh, in a book, and, and it, it sticks with people. I think intuitively everyone kind of gets it. Now, the idea is pretty simple. We all go out every day to do our job the best of our ability, and, well, we have ego. We have uh, a desire to advocate correctly for ourselves. Uh, and, and all the other, these other things which, which in and of themselves are natural, they protect us, they help us grow, but sometimes the truth is we have to put those tendencies, uh, probably ego being the most obvious one, in check because we're too busy defending ourselves or more importantly dictating, talking, explaining, trying to help, that is to say doing stuff instead of just watching and listening and observing because when we check ourselves, stop assuming we know it all, <laughs> and start asking more questions and listening more, it's amazing what we learn about other people. And frankly, that's where great relationships begin. Yeah, and we know that everything is built on great relationships. I love this idea of keeping the ego tendency in check. I uh, One of the trainings I do, I hold up a beach ball in a class, and, and I ask the person in front of me, what color is the beach ball? And of course, they may see yellow and white and blue. And the other side of the beach ball, I see red and white and green. And then we argue about what we're seeing. And, you know, it's perspective. So if you can think about that, both of us are right 
and yet both of us are wrong, and we're both arguing about our perspective, what we see. And then too often, we take the beach ball and we turn it around to the neighbor and ask them, what color do you see? And show them our perspective and get them to argue with us. <laughs> nice. I've seen versions of that. You know, it's funny, in the last few years, uh, I've evolved from a strictly leadership-type personality to a relationships uh, expert more broadly, including the relationships that we all cherish outside of work, such as uh, marriage. And my most recent book is called The Ten Delusions, that talks about some ideas for being successful. And, and the idea you just brought up is common in that world. The idea is so powerful and simple and difficult and funny all at the same time. It's amazing how we honestly think what we think, but we don't understand in a literal sense, like the other side of the beach ball. We don't understand what they're seeing and thinking and feeling and finding ways to help the other one see the other perspective is absolutely step one to building understanding. Absolutely. Then I had a great genius one time came up and twisted the ball sideways and said, there, problem solved. (laughs) Well, there's nothing wrong with a little creativity. Oh, exactly. So, you know, one of the things you talk about in these relationships is authenticity. I think that is just such a huge key, and it, it goes said a lot, but I can't say that it gets done a lot. So so talk to us about this authenticity. You know, it's funny. I, I think that's one of the reasons I uh, started talking about this topic some years ago, and probably will for the duration of, of my career, because everyone gets it, and yet so few, to your point, actually embrace it effectively. So here's the truth. When I was just getting started many years ago uh, as a professional working for Anderson and then Ernst & Young, I noticed a few things really quickly in the first few years of that uh, career. I, I noticed um, the most important thing I noticed was that relationships were hugely important for getting great work done. Let me say that a little differently. I don't care how smart you are. If you don't know how to communicate well, relate well, manage relationships well, you will not kill it at work. Success will be more difficult for you in spite of your IQ. So that became very obvious to me, and I was intrigued by that. Uh, and I was just kind of laughing, frankly, uh, for many a day at work at how people were posturing and acting to the point that, well, I mean, most relationships at work are kind of measured in distance and maybe even a little plastic. And I was intrigued by that. And then I noticed the thing that just, pushed me to want to go study it for a lifetime, which is that when people get past the posturing and start to get a little more real, a little more uh, full of empathy, a little more understanding, uh, well, it's crazy how productivity and creativity and every other thing we care about inside a team tends to happen in larger amounts. And, and then there's this punchline, you ready? Oh, by the way, it's free. If you'll just be more thoughtful about understanding yourself and relating to others to build relationships, that doesn't cost money per se. It just takes a little time to figure out who you are and how you can relate more effectively. And eventually, I got so interested in that idea because it's powerful, the idea that we all get what I just said but have trouble embracing it, that I decided to get a PhD and become an outside expert who really just in different ways, tries to get people to grapple successfully with that idea. Wow. And, and you, you said relationships are great for getting work done. You talked about these plastic things and, and people just kind of put on a front and those type of things. 
I happen to be a project management professional, and the PMI talks about these four phases of a project. There's forming, storming, norming, and performing. So when the team first comes together, there's, there's almost a pecking order that has to be established. And then they start to realize, okay, this is the way it's going down, and we're going to normalize, and then we're going to start performing. And I would say that's this, that when the relationships start to happen, when people start to understand each other better, and not only understand each other better, but respect each other more, that, that that's when performance happens. Absolutely. Those are costs we all have to endure to get to quality relationships that facilitate quality work. Uh, the 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 uh, stages you mentioned those are often referred to as the classic stages of group development. Individuals go through those with one-on-one relationships. Groups, so no matter how many people are in the group, go through some version of that as well. There's a feeling out process, and I should say this too. It's important that I say this. There's a feeling out process when you're getting to know people, during which it is natural and, and frankly a sign of social intelligence that people are more measured and posturing, dare I say, acting in some sense. That's kind of normal as we navigate letting down a little bit, you know, letting down our walls and getting to know people. But the point that I always emphasize is even though that's a natural beginning, you cannot allow that to go on too long. You cannot allow that to stop you from uh, taking a few risks, being a little more authentic, and getting uh, candor. Uh, to be the thing that defines the relationship instead of posturing. So no one is ever going to stop being mindful and thinking about their behavior, and at some level, I guess that's posturing. That's true, but you have to make sure that's in check at a minority of what's going on, and the majority, as you go through the stages you were describing, then becomes forthright conversation, on the fly, off the cuff, candid conversation, that tends to be where people arise and the type of dynamic that facilitates high performance. So, Dr. Dewitt, you've done a lot of training. You've been in a lot of organizations, man. Most of these are, are home, brand, home brand names that we recognize and know. Why are we so cautious to talk with candor? You know, I have a few different theories on that. So it's a great question. Um, one of my main theories is that we are taught to be fearful and worried about how we're judged as opposed to being taught to explore because learning is our number one thing that we love and value when we're all going through uh, our educational process. So I'm going to I'm going to be callous here, and I'm going to throw parents and the educational system under the bus, at least in North America, where I have some expert knowledge on the educational system. But I've known, I've done enough work globally in the last decade to tell you that there's very similar dynamics happening elsewhere. The idea is that a whole bunch of people, parents and educators, with great intentions and love in their hearts, don't get me wrong, have created an average student who absolutely is fearful instead of joyous and full of desires to explore, grow, stretch, and learn. They are fearful of not pleasing parents. They're fearful of not making good grades. They're fearful of mistakes and how they'll be treated when those mistakes are seen. That is a fundamental problem with the labor force uh, that we're creating. They show up after college ready for their first job, and sure, they're full of youthful energy, but they're also people that have been fairly well trained to not want to make mistakes as opposed to wanting 
to try, wanting to speak up, wanting to see what happens if they engage. And that's a fundamental problem. So one of the number one challenges for any uh, leader out there today is to break that old habit and attempt to get them increasingly comfortable with speaking up and engaging the ideas of change and innovation and progress at work. I think you nailed the, the answer to that question, so now I'm going to dig a little deeper. What are some tools that, that you would suggest we use to do what you're recommending? How, how can we expand that risk-taking? You know, it's interesting uh, because a lot of people care about that question, uh, and yet because we're so darn busy every day, uh, this gives me a career, thankfully, but managers out there are always just they're so stretched in a million ways, and they, they make really suboptimal choices in trying to answer that question. For example, one of the common answers to many questions, not just that one, in practice is some sort of material reward. Hey, guys, uh, we need breakthrough ideas. The customer's not happy. What we normally do isn't working. We need something new. And whoever kills it for me, man, I'm going to give you uh, that vacation to Hawaii, that bonus, that whatever it might be. And it turns out that's not terribly useful. Uh, what we have done with good intentions in getting people, trying to get people to open up and engage more and take those risks associated with candor and associated with creativity and innovation is we've created carrots and, and sticks. You know, we've created people just chasing carrots around as opposed to what the research tells us will make people better employees, which is to intrinsically care about the thing that they're trying to accomplish, not the possible award they might get for it. That is to say, we have to return them to, to a love, if possible, of problem solving and killing it, as opposed to killing it only to get an award. So in practice, again, what most of the, the science tells us is that there's some basic answers about how you get people to loosen up, gain a little more comfort with the types of risks associated with breakthrough thinking, with, with real excellence at work. And those answers are, for example, to give pointed feedback about how people are doing, not just general, you know, just overarching, hey, you're doing fine, but very specific, concrete feedback about how people are doing. Of course, phrased in a positive way, in an encouraging way, of course, but very specific and thus usable feedback. That's one answer we know helps. We know another answer is to give people autonomy. Stop the, the never-ending amount of, of micromanaging that we see out there and instead figure out how to embrace managing the outcomes more than managing the process. Because when adults feel like they're being allowed some latitude to do their job, it's amazing what happens when they feel trusted to do that. They tend to engage and own things more just because they feel like they're being trusted as adults to do good work. There's another piece just off the, the cuff here, this riffing, that's also part of that research stream out there. You know what? If people know that taking smart, principled risks to create better than status quo answers, right, something new, not just something that we did yesterday, they're more likely to try and do it if they know that's a valued outcome, which is why I'm always telling, or lots of people are always telling companies, if you value change, improvement, progress, creativity, and innovation, those things better find their way somehow onto your quarterly 
or hopefully it's, it's yearly. I've seen quarterly or bi-yearly, but, but find their way onto your evaluations because you in many ways do get what you measure. So when you put it in the goals and you measure it, you give people the room to operate and real feedback about how they're doing, they tend to be more creative and more open to uh, facilitating change. Yeah, and 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 then expectations. You know, if, if you want your employee, your team member to own the outcome, and you and you need to measure something, then we got to have the expectations laid out in this in this transparent way that. This is the way we need this done. This is why we need this done, uh, so that they will care about what they are trying to accomplish. Uh, yeah, this is this is good stuff. I, I appreciate that, man. That's great context there. It, you know, it's 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 important that uh, I add there, Brian. If you want people to be comfortable with the risk associated with 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 creating creative innovation, you have to make it okay to fail. The very thing I was making fun of with parents and educators, we've got people scared to fail. Well, leaders have to make it okay to learn, try, have things not work out so beautifully the first time, and then, and then, uh, you know, try again because it's safe to do so. That is what learning is about. There's always lots of starts and trials and errors and setbacks before there's an awesome thing that we all created. You gotta make it okay. And the way you do that is twofold. Number one, when the half-baked product and ideas show up, you do not douse them in negativity. You say, that's half-baked, but man, you took a step forward and you tried these things we've never tried before. That took guts. Kudos to you. What can we learn there that would help you do it differently, better, maybe even more successfully next time? So you, you make the intermittent steps fun, valid, important things that you talk about and, and ask for more of. And then number two, and this is huge, you've got to make yourself as a leader humbled and willing and able to say, you know what, I remember being where you are. You know what, I think I screwed up four times to every win that I had. Don't feel bad about that client being upset today because the truth is, well, let me tell you about a time that a client almost got me fired. And now you're throwing yourself under the bus. You're not bragging. You do too much of that as leaders. you got to check that. Now you're throwing yourself under the bus and saying, you know what, before I earned the role where I am now, before I had the resume I can brag about, <laughs> I was learning and screwing up and trying my best in order to get here, which is what you're doing, and that is a beautiful, valid part of the process. You can make learning more human when you share the times that you had to endure it as well. Todd, that's wonderful, man. And I, and I sit here and think about, you know, sometimes when we become leaders, we don't want our employees or those that we are leading to make the same mistakes we did. However, we forget the lessons that were involved in those mistakes. And, and, and granted, we can't let them just arbitrarily go out and lose a ton of money for a project or something, but we can give them the freedom to learn and learn from mistakes. You have to. I think that managers, much like parents, often unintentionally deprive their employees or their children from the need to make mistakes and learn because it's so fundamental to growth in life. And yet parents do this all the time. Hey, you know what? I don't want you to hurt the way I had to hurt. I've done well, so you won't have to struggle, etc. And I love where that comes from. And I certainly think I maybe have been guilty as well of, 
lavishing a little too much help or too much stuff onto my kids. Truth is, you better find room, even if you're very successful, for your employees to learn on their own and for your kids to fall down, screw it up, and have to deal with with learning in, in some difficult circumstances because it is hard to build success in your career, let alone maintain it, if you don't fall down and feel the pain of learning on occasion. It, frankly, is essential. Yeah, and, and it reminds me, I read Sam Walton's book, and you know he, he founded Walmart and, and, and did all those things, and, and he said one of his greatest fears was that his children and grandchildren wouldn't have to experience work. And, and, and I got to say, what we learn from, from being a productive member of society, the lessons we learn when we do make mistakes, that, that all makes us who we are and, and to the point of building a success. Man, that's the name of this podcast, Build Your Success. The foundation is laid in errors and problems and it, it's learning so that you can start to lay some cornerstones and build up from what, what you've learned. You got it. You know, I, I'm constantly reminding people of what you just said, and I'll rephrase it like this. You know what? If you have not had a big-time embarrassing screw-up that you can easily recount that taught you something that helped move your life forward in the last five years, you are playing it safe and enjoy being mediocre. Now, I'm being crude and funny just to make a point, but, but your point is a great one, and when I meet people who look safe and playing always by the rules and really deferring and getting away from risk. They almost look constantly risk-averse. I just have to remind them, good for you. Maybe you're in no one's hot water and you haven't had a big error, and there's something to that. Okay, but just don't overplay that. If you haven't pushed hard enough to have slipped, fallen, failed, screwed up, had a setback, then you're really playing it too safe, and your your upward potential is flat-out tapped. You know, I love this discussion, and this I've tried to keep this podcast at 20 to 30 minutes as a commute, and we're, we're working on that right now. But, man, I could do a whole year on Brian's mistakes, man, and they could be hour-long episodes. It could be a series of, of all these mistakes. But, but, to, your point, but, but to your point, the, the learning from it, man, is just so invaluable, and, and what it can do – to empower you to do what's next. That's what's important, man. You gotta grow. You, you gotta, you gotta be in a growth mode and learning more and doing more and establishing more of these relationships. You and I create content. If, if someone wants to go find the pages and errors and spelling errors and something I said wrong on a podcast, it's out there. Yep. <laughs> if, if you're creating content, you have made some mistakes. And if, and if you're too scared to create content because you're gonna make mistakes, then you're never going to do it. You're never going to do it, and I would remind anyone listening to you right now that this is a process you can gain comfort with. The more you admit those imperfections and those realities that you're talking about, the, the more you will gain comfort with that and eventually kind of get over it and just engage life more. Well, that's how we started this off with get over yourself. And, and what a valuable le- lesson for all of us uh, I'm speaking to Brian here and the listeners is quit worrying about perfection and start striving for excellence. Do something. Figure out what you can do next and make a step forward and, and make some progress. Man, we're we're in this COVID nineteen world where we're isolated and 
but it's time to take training. That's how I took Todd's training is, is I, I had time. I'm going to use it for training. I'm going to use it to learn. I'm going to use it to better myself. That's excellent, man. You're, you're doing what you're supposed to do when faced with a challenge, which is look for that silver lining. Yes, sir. Well, Todd, tell us about some of these books you've written. Well, my most recent one is called The Ten Delusions. You can find it on Amazon, and it's for anyone who has been through the challenges of committed relationships and maybe wants to think about it differently and, and be more successful uh, as they engage it. Probably my most uh, well-known one so far is called Show Your Ink, which is a book of short stories about leadership and related topics that a whole lot of people enjoy. So you can find those on Amazon. Perfect, man. And then how would guests get in contact with you? Where can they find you? Well, thanks for asking. You can just find my uh, main home on the Internet at www.drdoit.com. That's D-R-D-E-W-E-T-T.com. That's wonderful. And for our listeners, we'll put that in the podcast description. As always, we'd like for you to, whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on, go over and give us a rating and review. Share this podcast with others. They can pick up some of these tidbits. I've got a page of notes here from Dr. Dewitt. And uh, if you get a chance, go on LinkedIn Learning and take some of his courses. He's got many of those courses out there. Remember to build yourself and then build others. Thank you. Want to learn how to build yourself and build your team? Visit www.buildcs.net and learn about Brian's programs, special offers, and more. Build yourself and then build others.